Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode two or three of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host, Mike Morrison. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I've got a very special episode lined up for you and a very different kind of episode. Now, of course, if you're listening to this show, you've probably been listening to it for a while. But did you know that this isn't the only podcast that we produce here at the Membership Guys? In fact, the other half she would say the better half, as would many others, uh, of the membership guys, the one and only Callie Willows. She actually hosts our other podcast, Behind the Membership. Now, Behind the Membership is a seasonal podcast, so we essentially put out seasons of 10 to 12 episodes, typically once or twice a year. And these episodes are very different from what you're accustomed to listening to here on the Membership Guys podcast. They're not about dispensing quick tips or you know practical advice on memberships. These episodes on Behind the Membership are all about showcasing membership site owners. Now, the tagline is real people, real stories, real memberships, and that's exactly what it delivers. These episodes aren't just interviewing the, the usual kind of big names or experts that you see in the online business world. Instead, Behind the Membership focuses on showcasing regular membership site owners, many of whom are having massive success within their respective fields, but also some who maybe have made some big mistakes or where things haven't gone quite so well really sharing the ups and the downs of their membership journey so there's some massive massive insights and some real fascinating stories being shared by the guests that Callie interviews now we're gearing up for these third season of Behind the Membership. That's going to be starting on June the 13th. But to get you warmed up, because we know that not everyone who listens to this show may even be aware that we have a second podcast. What we decided to do is to actually handpick one of our favourite episodes from a previous season of Behind the Membership and share it with you right here on this podcast. So you can get a little flavour of what the Behind the Membership podcast is all about and you can ready yourself for the brand new season. So the episode we've chosen is Callie's interview with Scott Devine. Now Scott is the founder of a bass guitar education membership called scottsbasslessons.com and we actually worked with Scott as a client for about four or five years. We helped him get his membership up and running and we helped it become a multi-million dollar membership with 30 or 40,000. It's possibly closer to 50,000 members now. Now Scott was actually the last client that we worked with. As our own membership took off and we moved away from the consulting and the one-on-one client work, Scott was actually the final client that we were working with and without question one of our absolute favorites. It's a project that we are immensely proud of and Scott is just such a great guy. Now when he sat down to chat to Callie in season two of Behind the Membership, they talked all about the journey Scott had been on, about the circumstances that led him to creating his membership and the ins and outs of how it became a behemoth within the bass guitar education world. So I really, really think you're going to get a lot out of this interview and it really does showcase the best of behind the membership, which again, is all just about hearing stories from people just like you who are at different points in their journey, but actually sharing the ins and outs of how they got to where they were, mistakes that they made, successes that they had and also the stories behind those. So with no further ado, I'm going to hand over to the other half of the membership guys, Miss Callie Willows, for her conversation with Scott Devine. 
On today's show, I'm joined by Scott Devine from Scott's Bass Lessons, the world's leading bass education membership site. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Scott. Hello. <laughs> now, I have to say here that we actually worked with Scott on his membership site for nearly five years, I think. So it's a site that's very close to my heart. But for the sake of our audience, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about Scott's Bass Lessons, who it's for, what it offers? Yeah. I can't believe it was five years in five years. Yep. <laughs> God, we're like siblings. Anyway, um, so we are essentially an online school for bass players in a nutshell. So, and obviously it's a membership site. Um, think of it as like the Netflix of bass education. So instead of watching films and getting your latest Walking Dead episode, you're going to get some courses from some bass geeks like me. So that's what it is in a nutshell. But I should also say that we've got like a live element to the site as well, um, that we do have uh, visiting guests each and every week that are big within the bass community, you know, that are named tutors come in and do live streams as well for the members. Um, but yeah, that's about it really in terms of what, what it is and what we do. Um, God, it sounds a lot simpler. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot more complex but, than that. But yeah, you know, there's, there's other things like we do interviews and all that type of thing. But that is the main value prop is that we are the, the Netflix of base education. Yeah, I like that. Netflix of base. Uh, and you actually, you follow a different approach to a lot of memberships sites in the sense that you kind of offer the the SBL Academy for quite a low yearly rate. So what made you decide to, A, first of all, keep things as low cost as possible because for the amount that you give is ridiculously no-brainer price. Yeah. And secondly, why did you decide to focus predominantly on annual memberships rather than the monthly? Okay, so the reason why I, and for everybody listening, it's like 170 bucks for a year. Um, the reason it's low is so we could get as many people through the door as possible. And and really, um, it, well, it was that and probably in, in, inexperience as well, because I have got, I bought my first computer seven years ago. I struggled to use an iPhone. I am like the most zero tech person ever. I'm just a bass player, right? So, um, so definitely I kind of stumbled upon like wet finger in the air. Hey, that sounds cool for the pricing. And, and, I, and I really wanted to do it on an annual basis, primarily because I wanted or I, I felt that I couldn't really make a difference to people's playing within, you know, within a week or within a month or whatever. So, so that's why we went with the low pricing and why we went with an annual. And we've been annual only for six years. It must be something like that, yeah. Yeah, six years. So, so here's the deal, though. We turned monthly on um, like four or five days ago. Oh, awesome. Because, because I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned monthly on. And in all honesty, like we have had a raise in memberships. It's like sitting at 21% more people coming in at the minute, awesome. um, which is cool. You know, we're going to sort of like keep it up and see where it sits at. And then we're going to be looking at the different cohorts in terms of, you take in the free trial because we offer a free trial up front, 14 day free trial up front. So we're going to be like looking at the annual cohorts and the monthly cohorts and figuring out who's staying on past their trial and what, you know, how, what their, um, 
how they're using the site and are they, you know, are they affected? Because kind of one of the things that I did think about in terms of like the yearly thing is that you do get a different type of customer than the monthlies. So, and that is nothing against monthly people at all, but like to come up with 170 bucks as a hobby, which predominantly it is, it's, it's, it can be a big spend. Um, so you're kind of getting people that are in it, you know, they're kind of committed to, to the, uh, to the fact that they want to progress and take their play into the next level. Whereas a monthly guy might be just dipping their toe in the water. So, you know, and I don't want the monthlies to spoil the experience for the annuals because I'm all about really keeping it um, super positive and a really great learning environment for everybody that wants to be a part of what we're doing. So just with, with that in mind, it's kind of sort of like something we're going to be testing in the next few months. But, as it stands now, 21% lift. And it's pretty cool because obviously we've been doing this annual only thing for like six years, which means we've educated a lot of people that we only do annual yeah. for six years. So I'm sure, I'm sure that that 21% lift is going to go up slightly when we re-educate the you know, X amount of 1,000 people that we have to re-educate in terms of um, time that we're doing monthly. So yeah, we're just gonna kind of sort of like see how it goes. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how the the retention and the lifetime value work out for you on on that. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, yeah. I think now because I, I seem to recall we did test monthly once or twice um, a few years ago, but you've got so much more in the academy now and things as well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's kind of changed, doesn't it? Like for, beforehand, it was really just me, and over the last two years, I would say. I've really kind of sort of like maybe more than two years. No, I've been actually about two years. I've really transitioned into, I'm still there. Obviously it's called Scott Space Lessons. I'm in the week, in the videos every single week. But in terms of a lot of the content, it's there's, there's other tutors coming in because I don't just want it to be me. I want it to um, involve the entire base community from a teaching, from an educational point of view, from a, obviously from a business decision because I don't want to, have all my eggs in one basket, which would be me. But also, I think that it's a nice way to uh, dominate a market as well, having everybody involved in your one thing, you know. So if, like, if there was only Netflix available, everybody would join Netflix. And that's kind of the position that I am in to a certain extent at the minute. There are other players out there doing um, smaller membership sites and, and selling courses and and the like, but in terms of like any big players in the market, I've kind of monopolized it to a certain extent. Yeah. And so actually let's look at that a little bit deeper then, because in terms of the evolution of SBL, then like this is where having some insider knowledge comes in handy, because I think it's easy to look at everything that, you know, Scott's Space Lessons offers now and the kind of the sexiness of this new site you've just released, which looks awesome, by the way. Um, oh, I'm really grumpy with it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think, yeah, it just took so much, so much down work that I'm really grumpy with it now. But there you go. I've just been looking at it. You know when you look at something for too long? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks good. It looks good. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but yeah, but it, it's easy for somebody, kind of somebody listening to this, for example, going to see the site and to be both kind of amazed by what you're offering, but also a little overwhelmed at the idea of creating something sim- similar. Something but, like, yeah. You know, SBL actually started off much 
different to what it is now. Like if I remember rightly, your first members, they were kind of joining up for backing tracks and the community rather than... They were joined up for like, yeah, community and some backing tracks to play along with and some PDFs. (laughs) Some like action notes or whatever I called them back then. Yeah, and it was like really cheap. And then obviously we rolled out that. And then what really... um, I can remember joining Fizzle and... At that point when I joined Fizzle, I was like, oh, maybe we could do this for like bass, you know, and that's where the actual initial idea came from. So props to Corbett for that and, you know, and Chase and all the guys. So, yeah, and then where, and then it kind of evolved, didn't it? Then we decided to, I was selling products outside. So I had sort of like this membership thing and then I had some courses on the outside and I'm sure a load of people have been like that, where you're sort of like in limbo between, oh, should I go all in on the membership or should I go, you know, sort of like do this sort of like uh, one in, one out, one foot in and one foot out thing. And and at some point, I just decided to transition just into a, a membership site and have all the educational content housed within it. And just, you know, thinking backwards, I think that was based off um, really following that fizzle model and seeing th- those guys were doing it. And have you seen how happy Corbett and Chase are? They're always really happy, aren't they? <laughs> I thought, I'm going to get some of that happiness in my life. So I decided to go sort of like the membership route. And then, and then, and then based off just, you know, as I was saying before, thinking about the marketplace and, and what to do in terms of growth, that's when I started getting everybody else involved in what I was doing because they weren't doing anything. They were definitely going to do something in time, given, you know, that that's what happens. So before that happened, I might as well get everybody involved in what I'm doing, making it good for them. It's good for us, good for the members. And and that's kind of sort of like molded to what it is today. But yeah, it's it's just the whole thing's been built on a on a whole lot of flippant <laughs> <laughs> flippant random ideas and kind of and then kind of rolling with it. Like the whole the whole thing about the uh, live seminars that we do each and every week. So each and every week on a Monday, we host a live stream seminar um, from some of the best bass educators on the planet, you know, guys that teach over in Berkeley College of Music and, you know, all these like super heavy hitters. And that was just, I had an idea on a Monday afternoon. Um, it was in the summertime. I can remember sitting, standing outside the studio having this idea. And, and, then, we were, and then we rolled with it by the next week. And then that was it. <laughs> and now that's what we do. So, and just, and, and it's kind of like an amalgamation of a, a whole lot of um, random ideas like that. And that's got us to where we are today. But, you know, bear in mind, I do think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've also had a lot of random ideas I haven't acted on. I just thought that was a, a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. So, I mean, you have the the faculty kind of started with the live seminars, didn't it? But you have um, them coming in and doing whole courses for you and things now as well, don't you? Yeah. The first, yeah, the first time, the first involvement of anybody outside um, in like creating the educational content was the live stream seminars. And that was me kind of dipping my toe in the water and thinking, is this going to work? Are the members going to go for it? So we had them doing the live streams every week. And then based off that and what was going on and, you know, the members were enjoying it. And I, and to be honest, I enjoy not being the center of attention all the time. I'm like a real introvert and I don't really want to be the guy. And I think the pressure as well of, you know, Hey, you've got to create this content each and every month to give to your members. I felt a little bit of that pressure. 
So I decided to start getting in other guys to create courses for the membership. And that's actually been a real blast to do. What we, what we do is instead of um, doing it all year long, which we could, you know, we could do, we could fall into the trap of doing it all year long. We just go to New York, which is in terms of like where everybody is, all, all our tutors are for, for the most part in the States. We go to New York, hire a studio for like 10 days uh, or 12 days, fly everybody in that isn't in, in New York. And if they're in New York, bonus to us. Uh, and then each, each day we just create a new course and then leave New York. And then we've got, you know, all this new content that's going to stretch out for the entire year. And then we did the, and we actually come away with more than a year's worth of content. We did the same thing this year. We did, I think we did 14 days out there. And on some days we had like two artists coming in. I think one day we had three artists coming in, creating these courses. And and we've got content. If we decide to release just one course a month, um, as we are now, we've got content until the end of 2019 already done. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> nice place to be in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, did you, you know, that's pretty badass. Did you actually think when you were first starting SBL that it was kind of going to end up as this multi-faculty site with thousands of members and, you know, a seven-figure business? Did you, no. was that the end goal? <laughs> no, uh, no, no, absolutely not. And I think that, you know, maybe I should have, maybe um, if I'd had more confidence in what I was doing, I would have, but I just didn't have any experience in it. So I didn't really know what I was building. And I think part of my issue has been that I kind of roll with it because I'm under-experienced to a certain extent with building businesses. I've never really got the end goal in mind, mind which is a big mistake. You know, if you're building a business, my like friends obviously ask me now about building businesses. They didn't back then, but now they, you know, they've got an idea. They want to build a business. And I say, probably one of my first questions is, well, what's the end goal? How does it look? What's your lifestyle going to be like? Because that's the bit that I didn't even consider. I just can, the only thing I did consider is I'm on a roll, big is better. Let's keep pushing it as much as we can. So, and I definitely still have that in me, but I do tend to think about my lifestyle as well in the, in the, you know, at the same time. So yeah, there was no ever, you know, there was no point in the past that I really ever thought that it was going to turn into this sort of like behemoth school with, I think we've had now, I think like on our sales pages, it says like 25,000, but I think we've had like over 30,000 people join up over the last few years. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been cool. <laughs> it's been cool. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible that you've been able to kind of reach that many people. Yeah. Um, well, the key, the key for the reach has been the YouTube channel. Yeah. That's I mean, the, that's how you all started really, wasn't it? You you started doing free videos on, on the YouTube channel and, and it kind of grew from there. Yeah, absolutely. So the free... Um, started growing on YouTube like probably like six or seven years ago, uploaded my first video and then decided to, and, and originally it was actually to promote Skype lessons because I wanted to teach via Skype. Then I quickly realized that, that was, there was a ceiling on in terms of like how much you could earn because of, you know, because there's, you know, if you're selling your hours for dollars basically. And, and then started looking into selling courses saw a random online workshop by a dude called Brendan Bouchard, who is more kind of sort of like a self-helpy type guy. But back then he was like out and out marketing. Um, I saw this random YouTube video and he was explaining how to build online business models. And I was like, hey, that might work for base. Started creating courses. 
and then it just kind of sort of like rolled from then basically that's that's how the, the entire thing started but um yeah Cool. I, I like that that kind of, it was almost kind of an accidental. <laughs> oh, it's like a total accident. Yeah, a total accident. Um, and the YouTube thing, basically when I saw Brendan Bashar doing the um, doing the the workshop that he did online, I just thought obviously like I need to generate traffic from somewhere. I didn't know anything about, about paid traffic. Like, holy hell, just, I, yeah, it was completely out of my comfort zone. And that, to, even right now, it's still out of my comfort zone. I'm trying, I'm trying with Facebook traffic. But, um, yeah, so I started growing the YouTube channel and just uploaded every single week for years. And, and that's been the, really the secret to the YouTube thing is I think partly I was first in. There was only a couple of other guys doing it on YouTube, whereas... Um, now it's, it's, it's a little harder. Not impossible. I've seen some guys like come from nowhere and they've got hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers on YouTube, but it is harder now, whereas before I was the only guy, so or one of the only guys. And then I posted consistently every single week, sometimes twice a week for years, um, and, and still do that. And then something, that inter- something interesting um, for, the, for the listeners might be that we saw a we saw a drop in 2016 in terms of the, I don't know, just the, the uptake of community on our YouTube channel and the views and the comments. And it was definitely decreasing. And I think that what had happened is when I started, I was, like, I was one of the guys. I was sitting in my bedroom with a camera and I was like, for the people. And I was like playing the bass and people were learning from me. And then slowly, as you get better and better at what you do, just the intuitive thing to think is, well, we better up our quality on YouTube. We better get fancy DSLRs and fancy lights and make ourselves look as posh as possible and as important, well, not as important, but as professional as possible, right? So we did that. And it was like, obviously, it was over time. It didn't just happen all at once, but it definitely, you know, over a few years, we were fully DSLR'd up and cameras and and the full shebang. And what happened is that looking back on it, that actually killed engagement. Now, the reason, the way I found this out is because I was just about to go out to New York and I wanted to document the trip in New York and being inherently lazy, I didn't want to take a DSLR and do the whole vlog thing while I was out there because they are just huge. I wish I had Casey Neistat's arms. I just, I really, <laughs> He's just, the guy's just so motivated. But anyway, I thought, no way, I'm, I'm going to buy this DSLR or this you know, Canon 7D or whatever. I'm going to go out there. It's going to sit in my bag because it's just going to be too much hassle to get out. So I'll buy a point and shoot Canon G7X, if anybody's wondering. Cool cameras for vlogging. So bought the Canon G7X, went to New York, did a ton of um, vlogging, and then came back. And then when we started uploading the content, and like some of it was vloggy, some of it was just me sat in front of this camera teaching. The engagement went through the roof. So we grew our, just in 2000, and that was just right at the beginning of 2017, we grew the YouTube channel over, I think it was, we had 300,000, I think we grew by 40% basically, <laughs> in a year, in a year. So we went from 300,000 to over 500,000 which is crazy. Yeah, that is... Based off of doing it through a crappy camera instead of a fancy DSLR. So, and like, and and I chopped up the video a little differently. I made it feel a little bit more vloggy, a bit more 
um, engaging. And, and through that whole process, really, the, the business blew up as well even more. You know, we added more members based off that YouTube engagement that we were getting. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I, think, I think it's just really interesting. It's something to think about, especially if you're, use, if you're creating video content. Is that what do your actual members want to see and resonate with? It might not be what you think. It might not be really highly polished videos because I have got like five DSLR cameras <laughs> and all the lights that you ever need to make fancy, fancy videos. But for all the stuff that goes on YouTube, for the most part, it's through a Canon G7X point and shoot camera for a reason. You know, and it's actually weirdly more work because if I do it with DSLRs and, and, and the lights and stuff, I just sit down, I teach, I can just hand that off to one of my editors and then never have to look at that video again. Whereas if I do a more vloggy style thing, it, like I can't hand an editor, here's an, an hour's worth of video and just chop it up and make it make sense because he might not get a feel for what I really want. So then I have to get the video, I have to chop that up and then put it onto YouTube. But the engagement, and the views because of that more relaxed style and ghetto style of content has just pushed the YouTube channel right. You know, really, it's just rocket along. At some point last year, we were like averaging a hundred thousand views a week on a, on a brand new, on a new video. So we get a hundred thousand views per video. Like it has dipped a little bit, um, and I think that's just probably because uh, the audience need something new. In terms of like, I know that that style of video works, but maybe they need it just sort of like repackaged in a way or something, something because, you know, audiences do fatigue with a similar type of content that comes over and over again, which is what I think happened last time. And then we kind of like rejigged things and really pushed up the engagement using the vlog camera. And then at the same time, there's under, you know, underlying stuff as well, like being too promotion heavy on YouTube, I think really damages you. Um, or it has done to me, I think, in the past. And we we stopped doing that. And we just found that being more authentic on YouTube has really paid off in dividends. Like another thing that we do that isn't, it's is so counterintuitive to any marketers out there, is that we send our email broadcast directly to YouTube. <gasps> Shock horror, marketing <laughs> flummox, you know, like we send them directly to YouTube instead of um, on the blog, on the, on, the, on, the, on the site. The reason why we do that is because that YouTube values your the views on YouTube itself way more than the views of an embedded video on your website. So I want YouTube to be loving our channel and pushing our videos as much as, as possible. And yeah, so that's why we do it. And it's really counterintuitive. I'm, trying to, I'm thinking actually of doing something uh, moving forward where we send a couple of emails a week, one to YouTube and then one to possibly like an older lesson or something like that that we dig up because obviously it's important to keep sending the traffic to to your website because obviously you need Google and, you know, the SEO algorithms and all of yeah. those you know, to come into it. Yeah, Woo. all of those six million different things that you need to happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, but I, I think that's fascinating that that kind of how the rougher for want of a better word videos yeah. have worked better for you and I think like I remember when we worked with you that always used to be the case that the videos that did best even like sales videos were the ones where you just filmed them at your kitchen counter rather than the ones where you kind oh, of I've, I've done t I've done tons yeah. of that sales videos specifically yeah I, in fact, I don't. I can't remember a time that I sat in front of a, a DSLR camera and did a sales video. I actually, I make sure the lighting is nice. 
I sometimes use an external mic and match the audio so the audio is nice, but I'll do it at home or I'll do it in the office like here or something like that. I'll make it really relaxed. And yeah, and I kind of like the idea for that came from Noah Kagan who runs um, AppSumo. He's the AppSumo guy, right? So he does a, a program called Monthly 1K, I think it's called. Maybe I'm butchering the name. Anyway, I think it's monthly 1K. And the sales video for that, for the most part, was just this like ghetto video of him sitting at his computer. Now, Noah Kagan is a marketing genius. So I'm just saying, you know, so it was kind of like, like that, you know, if he's doing it, it's okay. It's okay. And then we, I think at one point we split, we definitely did split um, a very typical marketing sales type video with a... Um, a more relaxed sales video. Now it wasn't ghetto. These were, <laughs> these were actually exactly the same video, but I chopped out all of the marketing. Tell your story, you know, you know, sort of like aggravate the pain, all the marketer things that they tell you to do. I actually chopped all of that out and we split test those. And the one with none of the marketing bump in one, but by a mile. And all we did in the video is just say, hey, here's what we got. Here's how it's going to help you. Do you want to buy? Whereas the other video was, you know, here's, here's like my, a little bit of my story and this thing that I discovered that I'm going to teach you. And it's amazing, you know, the whole thing, that whole marketing thing that everybody tells you to do. And I think that the more I go down this, um, this pathway that I'm on right now is the more that I realize that you can beat, you can learn from all of the gurus in the world, but it might not apply to your specific market and it's getting a feel for your guys. So, yeah. And it's really hard to like remember that consistently because if you're trying to get better at what you're doing, you're reading a ton of blogs and you are trying to educate yourself and all the education you're reading is telling you that, you know, that those sales videos matter and to script them and to tell your story and to aggravate the pain and, you know, and you're the solution and all that stuff. So yeah, it's tough, but I think like top of mind always thinks that your market might be completely different. Yeah. I think that's such an important point that, yeah, just because everybody else is doing something or saying that you should do something doesn't mean that's what's right for your audience. So yeah, like we sold an annual membership. <laughs> exactly. We sold an annual membership for six years and put 30,000 people into the, into that school you know, and, and the first, and I'm in mastermind groups and talk with, you know, people like you, Callie, and Mike, obviously, and then, you know, and, and other friends of ours, I speak to them, and the first thing that always comes up is like, you just, you do annual, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing they always say, it's just annual, right? I'm like, yeah, it's just annual, yeah. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, I think for your price point as well, the, the annual isn't, as big of a barrier as it is for, so like with most business sites where they want at least $50 a month, you're looking at more like a $500, $600 for an annual. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. 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 Whereas I think you've kind of priced perfectly for, for your market and your, your aims there. Yeah. And like, and the other guys in the marketplace are kind of that same price as well. Although they are doing monthly, which we are now at the minute, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. We'll roll with it. But uh, yeah, and that's where I got the pricing from as well. You know, other people were charging around that point. It's kind of like one fifty to two hundred dollars. I don't think there's anybody. There's no bigger players in the market that are over two hundred dollars a year on the annual. And even when they're up to that that two hundred mark, they're throwing in bonuses and incentivizing 
that annual. So for instance, you can maybe like join on, join at $29 a month, but if you join the annual, they're going to send you a hoodie and they're going to send you a merch yeah. pack and, you know, and all those shenanigans as well. So there's all obviously a playoff there. So yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned um, obviously about things like going to New York filming and things like that. So what kind of team do you have around helping you with all this? Because I know you're really hands on yourself still, but you're definitely not doing everything by yourself. I'm anymore. definitely not doing everything. No, I've got like various project managers that do different elements. So I've got like a project manager who organizes all of the live stuff and flights and getting people to where they need to be. Um, and th- th- there is sort of like some stuff that crosses over, like that specific project manager is a great editor as well in terms of copy. So he didn't write the copy, but he edits a lot of copy. He does write copy as well, but he edits a lot of copy and he works with designers as well. Maybe sort of like um, in-house designers in terms of like getting some sort of like promotional stuff together. And then I've got um, another project manager who is more tech based so he's working with the devs and the designers. And then I've got another project manager who's more marketing-based. So, yeah, so I've got kind of like these, a few different project managers that are dealing with specific things and then people that are sort of like under themselves, like a couple of community managers. Um, and one of my community managers is actually a content manager as well. So she decides when everything's going to get published and she maps that all out in Asana and she chases people that need to get chased. And she makes sure that the emails are getting sent out and that whole thing. Um, and I've got a great community, another great community manager as well. Who else have I got? Obviously customer support. Um, and I've got some, I've got like an admin guy as well who helps out sort of like, you know, if stuff goes on on the site, we need to go through every single page and he does that. Then he finds if there's any dead links and, all of those shenanigans. Well, who else have I got? Um, don't want to miss anybody out. <laughs> got a marketing manager, which really helps. Let me just have my, I'll have a look at my list. I've got a social media manager as well that manages all the social media. And then obviously I've got sort of like videographers as well. So videographers and editors and I've got like an external development and um, design team as well. It sounds massive. It's not that <laughs> Um, the, the cost of it at the end of the month when I look at my bank account, that's pretty massive. But it's not a huge team. It's probably around 10 to 15 people. Yeah, and again, that's been built up over the years kind of thing as well, hasn't yeah, it? Me, you, me and you at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, those were the days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but I I think that it's it's always... I've always found it curious how, you know, you have built the team up, you've got people doing lots of things, but you're always still very hands-on, very much front and centre, very much kind of in the trenches, doing a lot yourself rather than kind of just sitting back and going, okay, you guys can can do it all now. Well, that's that's the dream, you know, and that is like, that does happen to a certain extent now, more than ever. Um, I'm trying to think of how to, how to kind of sort of like frame this. Um, it does happen more than ever. I'm not a micromanager but I definitely sort of like love stuff done right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's basically, yeah, that, that's it, it may be an issue I need to sort of like let go a little bit more. And, and I kind of like, I, well, I love marketing. So that's, that's, it's not an issue, but I think I'm always going to be involved in that. I think I'm always going to be involved in that. Like I don't send emails anymore. 
I write some emails, but for the most part, I don't write any emails. Um, but in terms of like the strategy and stuff like that, I do, I do that. And design stuff, I'm kind of like heavily involved in that because I can't stand bad design and everybody knows it. So if anything visual is going on out on the site, I definitely want to know about it and sort of like sign it off. But in terms of, um, you know, talking with the designers and the devs and stuff like that, I've got people kind of sort of like in place to do the main communication with them. And then I'll sort of like, we'll meet once a week and just, you know, and then just run things over. But yeah, like a lot of, a lot of stuff for me is team communication as well. I work on team communication and I know you sent over uh, some ideas early of, of like uh, of some questions we could talk about. And one of them, one, I think one of them was what you, what have you struggled with? And I think for me, the probably the, mo- the, the, the one thing I struggled with the most is that built team building thing. I found it really hard. It's definitely not my forte. I'm not a manager. I'm just like, a, I'm, I'm scatty, you know, you don't, <laughs> I'm like the worst manager, which is why I'm trying to put managers in place to do, you know, a job that I don't find that I'm, I'm really natural at. But yeah, even sort of like the whole interview, like man, I'd have a cup of coffee with somebody and be like, come on, come and be part of the team. That's the interview process, you know, like it's bad, it's bad. I definitely need to work on them skills, but I do know it. I do know it. Yeah. Um, it it's part of that challenge as well that, you know, obviously at the start, this was very much the whole business was focused around it was you and a guitar, essentially. Yeah. And then have you found that it's it's more of an issue both for you and your audience now that that's evolved and the site's still essentially about you? It's Scott's Bass Lessons after all, but you have got this faculty, you have got this team now as well. Has Has that kind of been an interesting transition or do you think it's all kind of worked quite well? Well, I kind of cranked the cranked the gears a bit. Cranked, is that the right word? Crunched the gears a bit in terms of like we went into 2017. Yeah, beginning 2017, we went to New York, recorded all those courses, and they were just published every single month into the membership. And there was little to no... Um, I didn't ask my audience, hey, do you want stuff from other people? I was just like, this is what's happening. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the best idea. I'm just saying that's what happened. And then at the end of the year, I kind of looked back and thought, you know what? My name is on it. I feel like some of those courses would have benefited from me being in the courses so I could be like an ambassador for the, the students. So instead of just the artist teaching directly to camera, they could have been teaching directly to me and I would have been asking them questions on behalf of the, of the, uh, of our students. So that's what we rolled with, with, with um, 2018, went to New York, we did all the courses. I was in predominantly all of those courses and we released a couple into the membership and they've gone down an absolute storm. So, and I think the, the more that I can be in the membership in a, in a managed way, you know, in terms of like, I don't want to be in there every single hour of my life, um, which is definitely um, a, a trap you can fall into with membership sites because you feel sort of like this overwhelming pressure that, you know, people have paid you, you need to be there, um, especially like my personality type. But I think it's really kind of going to inject me back into the membership. Like, don't get me wrong, I was in there every single week. We do like an academy show every single week that I've done. Um, I've just done episode 200 this week. Yeah. So, and I do student reviews as well, which they get, um, like a, 
a, a 90 minute student review video every single month. Um, so I'm, I'm in there still. Yeah. I'm definitely in there still. But in terms of the, the core content, what we, sur- we surveyed the audience, our students, and said, if you had to pick one thing, just one thing, what's the most important thing for you? And it's the course library. It's that main course library. So with that in mind, I thought it was important to get me back into what they were telling us is the most important part of the site. I better get back in there and do something. So even though the, um, the guests are delivering the information, I'm there in the actual video on behalf of the students um, drawing out some of the uh, the information from the artists that we're getting in to do the courses. And sometimes that's a lot easier as well because some of the guys that we work with have never taught in their lives. Like, for instance, we've got like Shaka Khan's bass player and musical director. He hasn't taught anybody in his entire life. He's just gigged forever. So he doesn't know what he does where I can sit there in the course and say, hey, what's that you're doing there? What? Let's break this down. Let's break that down. So... F- it's given us the ability to work with with artists that we wouldn't have been able to work with otherwise, you know, yeah. like Ron Carter, who used to play with Miles Davis. Again, like he said he wants to do something with us. He would never have ever said that, you know, based on the old model that we used to use where they just like teach directly to camera. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And in terms of just um, circling back to what you asked before, yeah, it was a bit crunchy. The gears crunched a bit, but that's cool. You know, you've got to break some eggs and all that. But it sounds like it's evolved really well. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. And the other element of SBL as well, which, you know, you've got thousands of members, but you do have like your online community side as well. How do you manage that with, with so many members? Community managers, <laughs> basically community managers, you know. So I think doing the weekly academy show really helps. I think that makes me, um, makes the members feel like I'm part of the community because it's just a video where I'm saying, hey, here's what came last week. Here's what's coming up for you to be excited about. And I'll mess around a little bit in that video. And, you know, my kids might be in the video or something, whatever to make it as informal as possible and fun to watch. Um, and that's definitely made me uh, made the members feel like I'm around for them, which is important. And obviously the community managers and then making sure that I do go in there. And if we post the video of the Academy show in the forum, I'll go in and I'll interact with everybody in the thread underneath. So stuff like that's really helped the community. I've never really had any issues with the, the whole community thing. I think right from the start, I had a, a community manager and that's always helped like in a huge way, feel, the members feel like they're getting listened to, and I don't feel like I'm getting absolutely bashed over the head with, with, with forum stuff. And I've got to say as well, right up front, like I am not a forum person, a forum guy. I do not find it easy. You know, like I've got friends of mine that love for they're on, in online forums and then Facebook groups, and they're doing that whole thing. I would rather eat my foot. I just, <laughs> just not who I am. Now, I did go into online forums to learn, um, like back in the day specifically. I went into Corbett's thing um, over at Fizzle, and um, that's where I met you, Kelly. So, and that's where I did, I was in there for, <laughs> I managed it for a week or so. But then in terms of like, you know, me doing it like professionally as part of my job, I don't really want to do that as part of my job. So just getting getting people in place to do that, do that for the students has really helped. Awesome. So what's been the highlight then of having the membership? What's made it all worth all this, this work? <laughs> oh God. 
I've got no idea. Um, the highlight. Okay, so the highlight, I've worked with some amazing people that I, like were my heroes, are my heroes, you know. I've been able to create educational content for uh, or with some of the best bass players in the world. And I've created something that I truly think is helping like a ton of people, play, bass players out there. Like we've got guys that um, teach in some of the best music schools in the world. And they say that people turn up to the audition and they're like, oh, you're Danny. Like one of our tutors is called Danny Moe. You're Danny Moe from Scott's Bass Lessons. And that's wicked. You know, it, it, that's the best thing I've got from it. All the, you know, that's that kind of... Um, being able to create an, educa an ed educational platform that's doing real good in the world, I think that's the best thing for, from it. Um, it's not been too bad financially either. That's been, <laughs> that's been pretty cool. We, we, you know, we live in a nice house now. We used to live in a terrace back-to-back. -back. I don't know if they have them in the States, but if you're living in England and listening to this, you know exactly what it is. Um, so that's been cool. But yeah, and just the whole ride of it, you know, the wild ride of it and just being able to work with people that, give a crap about what we're building and be invested in a long-term project has been really great as well. Um, and it's tough. It is tough. You know, I kind of sort of like, I am up and down with it. Sometimes I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is, I have to really think this is like proper thought, you know? Um, but it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Cool. So if you were going back to the beginning of Scott's bass lessons and the Academy, if you could reset and start again, is there anything you would do differently? I'd probably have an end goal in mind more than I ever did. In fact, I didn't have an end goal. So I'd, I'd try and think to myself, okay, what am I trying to build? And then build that. Even Maybe I wouldn't, you know, I could do it now if I'd rewound it. Like maybe I wouldn't have a team of 15 people and I wouldn't have a membership site with 30 odd thousand people in it. You know, maybe I would have gone down the more lifestyle design route. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Because that is absolutely available if you want to create a membership site around whatever particular niche and have a really nice nice lifestyle, you can absolutely do that. And I'd, I don't know, like it, it's it's tough for me because I've got two young kids and I'd love to spend a little more time with them. And I definitely, like I don't work crazy hours at all, but I definitely work a really, really, really good nine till seven every day, you know. Um, it's not normally split nine. I finish at five kids to bed and then I work like seven till nine or seven till 10 or something like that. So in terms of lifestyle design, I probably would have taken that more into consideration. Um, or would have liked to caveat is that I am kind of, I'm really driven. <laughs> so even though I would have liked to do the whole lifestyle design thing, possibly I probably wouldn't have done it. And I would have ended up doing exactly the same thing. But yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe nothing. Maybe I'd have just done it exactly the same as I did the first time round. Maybe I wouldn't have made this, you know. I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have kept hold of people that I'd hired more. I would have been like, oh God, you know, I need to keep them in the team. So you, Callie, I would have just bribed you until <laughs> Mike, I would have been sending you flowers every single week. <laughs> By Mike, I would have been giving him beer every single day to keep him part of what we're doing. Yeah, so I think that, like, when you're building a team, if anybody's building a team out there, it's really easy to take for granted what you've got and, and not, you know, really understand what value that people bring to the table. And when you lose them 
like I can't remember what podcast I listened to, but somebody said to to fill when somebody leaves to fill that hole can take like four or five people, and it absolutely can't. Like that is weirdly true. That does exist. So when somebody leaves, if you've got somebody killing it in your team, holy crap, hold on to them with everything you can because it's going to cost you a ton of money to fill that gap. And not only are you going to need more people to fill the gap, it's going to be more people, more headaches, right? So yeah, definitely hold on to your team if you can. And so what does the future hold then? You've just released kind of, I think a month or so ago, the the new version of the site, which I know was a long time coming. Um, Are you going to take your foot off the pedal for a bit now or do you already have plans in the works? (laughs) Never, ever, ever. So what we're doing moving forward. So we've just released this new site. And if anybody's ever thinking about moving off WordPress, little warning, just think about it really carefully because it can be a wild ride working with developers and designers outside of that WordPress. You know, WordPress is like a nice fluffy cushion. You don't know it is until you leave and then you find yourself climbing up Mount Everest. So just like it, the site is going to look great and it, but it's in terms of like a learning curve, it's definitely been a uh, one of those things where I'm going to look back at it and, and kind of laugh in the future. Not laughing so much. I am kind of laughing about it now. But yeah, it's been a it's been a, a lot of brain brain ache has gone into that. So obviously the new site's up and running. Um, we're looking at changing up the promotional strategies and stuff that we're using. Like beforehand, we've predominantly focused on back end promotions. So for instance. We could be offering bonuses or whatever discounts or whatever in the background, but on the front of the site, you're going to see nothing. Nothing will ever change. It will be the same. So with this custom design, we've got more ability to have more front-facing promotions that we can cycle through different months and you know all that type of thing. So we'll definitely be looking at promotional strategies moving forward. Paid ads, I really need to nail that. I'm so weak on paid. Like we do like retargeting and stuff like that, but really we should be, you know, really spending a decent amount of money buying customers and getting them through the door and experimenting a lot with that. So that's on the cards. We've been developing a really cool app as a, it's like a drum, a drum machine, drum looper. So people can play along with it. Um, we've had it developed. We need to add a few more bells and whistles to it in terms of like social sharing and a little sort of like lead generation piece to it. We're probably going to use Intercom or something like convertflow.com for the actual lead generation part of that app. But we're going to launch that as a free app. So instead of just creating a, hey, download this free ebook or download this guide, we thought, hey, let's push the boat out and download and create and get an app developed that people can use that will be um, attractive to piano players, bass players, guitar players, anybody that wants a drum looper or a metronome. Um, so we're going to do that. That's done pretty much. We just need to come up with a sort of like what bells and whistles it's going to have. And then we're going to come up with a promotional strategy of it and outreach and going to be looking at kind of sort of like influ- influencer marketing on Instagram and stuff like that for, the, for that kind of thing. We could do a whole podcast just on yeah. that. Um, I've developed, I was developing, I was thinking about doing pathways. So, you know, the whole pathway yeah. thing, like taking people through your content. This is another Another thing that people do in membership sites, which is very, very, um, it's really valid and really important, um, depending on what type of content it is and how you learn. So for instance, what you're teaching, I think it'd be just badass, right? 
when you're learning a musical instrument, I don't think that pathway thing helps because nobody learns music like that. You don't think, yeah, I'm just going to learn this one vertical. It's kind of sort of like more spread out. And, and there's issues in, so just to kind of circle back, what I was doing, I was developing pathways to help with retention for the membership site. Because obviously we've got tri- a trial, you know, and we need to get that trial um, conversion point. We need to get the conversion rate up. If anybody's wondering, it's 70%. Uh, I'll just throw these random stats at you. Um, and then, but when they get in there, especially now we're doing monthly, we want to retain the members as long as possible. So we did, we could do pathways. And when I looked at it and looked at how you actually learn a musical instrument, I just thought this is just, a, it's not the, it's not, we're just looking at other people, what they're doing in membership size. We're trying to replicate that with ours. And it's not the best thing to do in this particular scenario. So there's something called the grading system that is based in Europe. It's existed for 100 100 or 200 years, the music grade system in the UK and the rest of Europe, where it's kind of like, for anybody that knows nothing about music, it's kind of like karate, where you've got these different belts. It's not kind of like beginner, intermediate, advanced. It's got all these different, there's like, you know, eight or nine levels. And within each level, you have to do a certain amount of, you have to jump through a certain amount of hoops. You need to be able to play very specific songs to be able to move to the next level. So, and there's like eight or nine levels. We're we're basically developing all that right now. So so that's what's coming next, really. That whole, you know, that development of the grading system internally within the membership site. And then when people, we shouldn't really call it membership site. We shouldn't call it membership site. I know you called the membership guys, but I just like, I just say a membership site. I'm like, God damn, I should call it the membership platform Uh, anyway so when people come in they're going to be set on this pathway they're going to be set doing these grades hey what grade are you at we're going to find where that grade is for them and they're going to be able to work through that each grade depending on where, where they are as a player will take three to six months there's nine grades people are going to get certificates they're going to have badges on their profile. So fingers crossed, I'm hoping that this will drive the retention of the membership through the roof, if we can position it properly and get people to actually use it, because we're going to be seeing people actually working through, like, you know, like I did this as a kid. I, I, I studied classical guitar for um, five years and did all the grades. So our aim is to get people through the door and then get them playing music on this specific graded path that we're creating inside the membership site, and then hopefully, you know, keep them around as members longer. And obviously, we're playing the retention game. Um, we could have absolutely sold it as a separate product. And internally, I sometimes cry a little bit <laughs> when I'm thinking because there's a lot of work gone into this. Just to give you an example, I've had to, um, I've had to commission 56 songs to be written. 56 and and each of well not and, and there's like nine levels so if you work it out i think it's like four three three four well it's four five no it's six six songs per level so just to, to to compose music like that is so weird and alien you have to do six pieces that are beginner level then six pieces that are not beginner level but just a little bit more then a little bit more then a, through now so this guy and I'm assuming he's suicidal at the end of this. <laughs> he's just finished doing that, but we've done that. And then obviously we need 56 performance videos so people can watch these 
these videos being the pieces being performed then we need 56 tutorial videos all based on you know the, the things that you need to look at within each specific piece that might be a little roadblock for players to get through. it's real complex we could, we could have sold this as a separate product um for for a, a pretty big chunk of money and also we could have added added it as a tier as well so you know you join you get this you join um the next level up and you get you know why you get this thing added to your account but this thing is so integral <laughs> it's so integral for people for the retention of what we're doing that we're just taking it on the chin and we're just thinking this is this is our roadmap when you join membership sites and they've got a roadmap. Have you got a roadmap? I'm yeah, assuming yeah. probably have got a roadmap. This is our roadmap. But because we're teaching people to learn a musical instrument, God damn, it's really hard. So it needs to be kind of complex, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's wow. <laughs> talking about it, it makes me feel <laughs> tired out. Yeah. yeah, that is what's coming in the future. And then we've got some like signature cool. We've been working with some specific artists on um creating some courses that are outside of the membership um kind of sort of like deep dive courses with a specific artist we've done one of those that's going to go live this year and then i don't know like maybe different instruments a friend of mine's doing different instruments he runs a, a company called drumio oh yeah i'm getting him on the podcast as well <laughs> jared coming on yeah. oh he's, he's cool jared's cool right so he's doing different instruments and yeah like i'm not sure i want to go that way man but what i did think it would be a cool thing is white labeling the platform that we've built and using it as an educational platform for bands obviously yeah so bands can sort of like upload um exclusive performances and they can do instrument instrumental tutorials for their we've been approached already by a few um bands that are like really big in the um in the space in terms of like instrumental music, they're kind of at the top of their game. And when they did approach us, we didn't really have the infrastructure or team to deal with it, but now we would. So I've definitely thought that it'd be fun to get into it. But again, it's, it's yeah. Just a quiet year ahead then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jared's awesome. Yeah. Everybody should check Drumio out. They're in it. They're, they're like that, 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 his team, I think he's got like a team of 30 people. Like all in-house devs and developers and yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But, um, but yeah, I, I, we're going to have to wrap it up there, but I kind of feel like we need to do a part two or something because I feel like there's so much more we, we could still talk about. Um, so yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to look at, at bringing you back on to do a part two. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we could talk about retention or, yeah. you know, Trials. So many different things. There's so many different things. You know, you've had your membership for so long now. You've tried so many different things, done so many different things. You know, there's just a, a wealth of of information there that it'd be. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do a, another discussion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully, you're like I would. I want to ask you about all you about your stuff as well. We'll do that in a minute. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, as we wrap up, then if anyone wants to find out more about you, about the membership, uh, check out what you're doing. Where's the best place for them to find you? Just scottsbasslessons.com. That's well, and your Scott's Bass Lessons across like all the social and stuff as well, I think, aren't you? Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, although I don't really use Twitter anymore. We might auto put, I don't think I've ever used Twitter actually. I don't even understand Twitter. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Great. And and yeah, so thanks so much for 
for joining me, Scott. That was that was some awesome stuff there. As I said, I, I wish we had a bit longer to to chat right now because I feel like there's so much more we could go into. Uh, but it's been great talking with you and catching up. And I think there's a lot of great stuff there for our listeners. And I'm really looking forward to to seeing SBL evolve even more over the next few years. I'm really excited to see just how far you take all of this because it, it's huge. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me. Okay, so how did you enjoy this episode? Pretty cool, right? I love hearing stories from membership site owners, and even though we worked so closely with Scott for such a long time, we still just love hearing him talk about his journey and diving into the ins and outs of how scottsbaselessons.com has become so successful. I hope this has given you a good taster of the Behind the Membership podcast. It really is such a great complimentary podcast to this one. So if this is the very first time you have heard it Behind the Membership, or maybe you've heard a bit before, you've not had a chance to listen and now you are salivating for more of these stories from real people out there just like you who are running their membership site then head over to behindthemembership.com or search for behind the membership on itunes maybe throw cali willow's name in there to help you find it and we've got two full seasons for you to gorge on in preparation for the arrival of season three which is coming on the 13th of june 2019 and if maybe you're kind of thinking okay well is this just going to be lots of people talking about all the millions of dollars that they're making in their membership it's not just about showcasing the successes we're showcasing and we're covering some things that just haven't gone very well at all people who've had to completely trash their entire membership idea and start from scratch people whose journeys had a lot more downs than they had ups so it really is about exploring and enjoying real life stories of membership site owners not just the usual headline figures you see and all that unobtainable success you're really really going to dig the rest of behind the membership if you enjoyed today's episode so again head to behindthemembership.com that'll redirect you to the place on our site where you can listen to all of the past episodes and all the new ones that are still to come when the new season begins on june 13th that's it from me thanks to callie for allowing me to steal an episode of her show she's very protective of her own podcast in the same way that i am about the membership guys podcast but hopefully it's been worthwhile hopefully you've enjoyed it and hopefully you'll go out there and you'll check out the rest of behind the membership that's it from me for this week regular service resumes next week when i come back to you with another installment of the membership guys podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode of the membership guys podcast we invite you to check out the member site the Member Site Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. So check it out at membersiteacademy.com. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? 
If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic, leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com slash webinar. That's membershipgeeks.com slash webinar to secure your free seat today.